Namaste, yogis and friends. I'm Kino McGregor. And I'm Tim Feldman. And we would like to welcome you to Miami Life Centers podcast. Well, so welcome to this class. And again, thanks for joining. We'll initiate the space with a traditional Ashtanga Yoga opening prayer. So if you'll close your eyes. Gently bring your hands together. Keeping the eyes closed for a moment, your hands can rest down to any comfortable position. Give yourself a moment to establish kind of a baseline link into embodied presence, the feeling of the body. So sort of tuning into this realm of the material that your consciousness inhabits, the body. Without any judgment, without any desire to change, just let your presence fully inhabit that space. Here I am, here's my body, here's my breath. And notice the feeling of space, the feeling of relief that happens as your mind taps into the state of being the quality of consciousness, which is simply as it is. And then allow yourself a conscious breath. And then allow the eyes to gently open. With the mind centered and the body sort of coming online, what we have is this unique space that allows 
you, the intelligence that is within you, to be receptive and teachable. When we come to the practice of yoga, one of the biggest inhibitions to truly experiencing kind of the depth of the practice is if you come in with too much knowledge and certainty. So if you come in as the expert of all of your problems or you come in with an expectation of what the practice should be like or what your experience should be like, then we come in with a hardened heart and that expectation can be directed external, and externally. We can expect certain things from our environment, whether positive or negative. Uh, we can expect certain things from ourselves, also positive or negative. You know, we have generally various views that are held in our subconscious mind, and those things create kind of a hard box that we live in. And those thoughts are impediments to the true deep experience of what yoga represents, you know, a turning of the mind inward, a path to an experience of the eternal, something that is transcendent of the realm of material. And materiality includes not just the hard substance of the physical body, the stuff that you can touch and feel, but the realm of the material also includes the realm of our thoughts, you know, what we think. And perhaps there is no greater obstacle to being teachable, receptive, and open to the depth and subtlety of the experience of what yoga and really the whole spiritual quest represents than a hardened heart. A heart that's set, that says, this is how it should be, this is how I know myself, you know. And one of the things that, that happens as, you know, as we begin to inhabit the world more is that we get more conditioned to the ways of the world. It's said that we're born in innocence, you know, coming, um, where's this William Wordsworth poem that says we're trailing clouds of glory do we enter this body. And then as we continue to age, we lose the glory, the shimmer. How many of us have felt, you know, disillusionment at life? We feel, oh, life's given us, you know, the, you know, the bad end of the deal. We feel beaten up by life. We've had our hearts broken. You know, we've gotten the bad end of a business deal. We didn't get the job we wanted. We, you know, got rejected by a lover. You know, it's one of these things that's unfortunate that we experience. Well, well, here we are. And the idea is that when we experience those things, that, that's what's called, ex you know, the experience of life. It can eat away at the heart of innocence, the heart of that receptive, open, joyful spirit which is said, according to traditional yoga philosophy, to be untouched and always pure. But as we begin to generate more experiences, instead of living and breathing and being from that joyous state of spontaneity, we begin to take those difficult experiences and internalize them as boxes that we seem to feel we're forced to inhabit, a belief that we're only good enough to reach a certain level, a belief that we're only worthy of a certain level of love, or a belief that, you know, who we are is defined by what we've been able to achieve in the world. Then we come to yoga, you know, it's hard to let go of that. We often import that mindset into the world of yoga. And then we start to think, well, I'm only a good yogi if. How many of you have thought that at some moment? You know, we felt embarrassed 
by what we can do or we can't do with our yoga practice. This happens often with yoga teachers. We start to feel embarrassed that suddenly we have an injury or, or suddenly you know, a pose that we could once do starts to become really difficult or then we feel we've got to hide in a corner in shame. But, but that's the conditioning that we learn from our life experience and is the opposite of what we're actually here to do in the practice of yoga. So when we recalibrate the mind, the idea of coming to the spiritual path is to update the operating system of the mind, to change the very fabric and basis and foundation of every thought that you think. And that starts through changing the way you inhabit the body. And this is a miraculous transformation because your body is the home of the spirit as, we, as long as we live on earth. And it is a gift and it is a blessing, no matter what size or shape or age it is, you know, and that's and, or how it looks from the outside. And that's really important to understand. It's taken me so long to really understand that as a felt and embodied sense that the value of the body is not tied into what it can do or what it can achieve. The value of the body is pure in that you have one. Because if you didn't have one, you wouldn't be here, you know. So the perfect body for the, the yoga practice is always the one you have. Because if you didn't have one, well, you couldn't practice and you wouldn't be here, right? I meet so many people that say, one day when I lose a little weight, then I'm going to start yoga. First, I'm going to diet for a while. And then when I feel better about my body, I'll come to the yoga practice. Or one day after I get more flexible, then I'll come to the yoga practice. And I'm always thinking, where do you think you're going to get more flexible if you don't come to the yoga practice, you know? And then the idea that if we finally get into a size zero, you know, then, then we're qualified to come into a yoga class is really the opposite of what this practice represents. But we unfortunately import these standards of materiality, this view that worthiness is defined by fitting into a standard that's been defined by someone else that we've learned through osmosis, through cultural conditioning. And then we come to the practice and we think that, you know, uh, we have to fit into the mold. And it's intimidating to look at yoga from the outside. You know, here you are and you peer into the room and what do you see, right? A bunch of able-bodied yoga practitioners with all of them with their legs behind their head. And it's intimidating. You think, oh no, it's not for me. If you look at it online, it's even worse, you know? At least in the yo real yoga classes, the, you know, we often don't match as well as we do when we take photographs. And so it looks more real. We're a little more sweaty and gritty. And, you know, we take the picture, you know, it's amazing what can be done with editing apps after. It brings up a lot of insecurity, right? So here we come, here we are, and we think, well, one day when I get to be that right size, and we then import that standard of, of thinness into our definition of what makes a yoga body. And I'd like every single one of you to question that from this day forward if you haven't questioned that before. Because if we think about making ourselves smaller and that that begins to be our goal when we come to yoga, then we've betrayed the spiritual practice by definition. Because it, the spiritual practice is about infinite expansion. And we want to have our minds big enough and wide enough to include not only ourselves, but to include others. And so if we're trying to make ourselves smaller, 
and we're circulating around the epicenter of making our bodies smaller, making our bodies fit into a particular size, into a particular pose, then we've cut off the expansive nature of the mind. And there's a fundamental mistrust that goes into that paradigm of thinking, as though you feel that you have to beat your body into submission for it to be good. So I'd like you to question that. The next time you find yourself looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I think I was smaller a few years ago. I wish I still fit into those old jeans from high school. You know, or you find yourself feeling really good because you look like you lost a few pounds or gained a little bit of muscle. And then you think, well, wow, now I'm really good. Just question that. What is goodness? Where does it come from? Where it is worthiness and where does it come from? Because a yoga practice is not asking you to change the size or shape of your body. What the yoga practice is asking you to do is embody your body in a new way, to be fully present, to arrive inside your skin, into the cells of the body, to feel and to awaken. Not necessarily to change. Maybe change happens. You never know. Surely you become stronger and more flexible. What that looks like externally is not really a guarantee. So more than anything, I would like you to change your paradigm of practice, but to also change the paradigm of worthiness and, and, and use the yoga practice to say, I'm here to feel. I'm here to feel. I'm not here to you know, force my body to become smaller, to force my mind to become smaller. I'm not here to force my leg behind my head or to try to, you know, force myself into more flexibility, but just to feel. And the pure act of feeling, of awareness, that's the place to begin. Just feel. Just feel. That is the essence of why we begin with asana, why we begin with all these weird poses, so that you can begin to feel new parts of the body. Your experience of consciousness changes the moment you feel a place inside of your body that had been cut off by past experiences, that had been boxed out. Every time you said to yourself in the past, you know, I don't want to feel this part of my hip. It's not really relevant right now. Every time we treated our body as this thing to dress up and had only consciousness from the head up, and you didn't feel. That was a place that a, a part of your joyous innocence you know, it's been cut off, so we're here to feel again, you know, we're here to feel. And, and, and that's a really freeing thing. Now we'll try, as we begin to move into our yoga practice, different poses, different asanas, but remember that those asanas are never the goal. And if you ever arrive at an asana, and you think, now I'm doing this perfectly, I've perfected this asana, I encourage you then to come to class, because that's the role of the teacher in that moment, is to do gently disturb the veneer of perfection, right? <laughs> and say, oh, no, dear student, you think you've arrived at the top of the mountain. And I'd like to now show you that it's been a good work up until here, and congratulations. But now I want you to climb all the way down this mountain so that you can climb another one that's even higher. There's always more things to go, right? Always more things to go. So the moment that you think you've arrived at the perfection of the posture is the moment when knowledge begins to be a hardness, and that again hardens the heart. So I started off this talk talking about receptivity and openness and how a sense of, a felt sense of the body can open the heart and can bring you into a sense of, of feeling. And that includes more than just your own hypersensitivity, but also includes empathy and compassion for others. 
So the idea with the yoga practice is more than just being intimately in tune with what you feel. But the idea is that by finally making peace with yourself and being able to feel all of your pleasure, all of the good things that are in your body, and all of the pain, all of the things which are painful and difficult in your body, in your mind, once you're able to be big enough to sit with that, the premise is that your heart can expand to include that same wholeness in another being and another being and another being until you're able to sit with all the good in the world and all the pain and suffering in the world. This dichotomy is what you could call the schism between agony and ecstasy, the, 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 you know, the, the schism between pleasure and pain. And, and as we come into our, our, you know, our spiritual journey, remember that the end is not with you, but you are vitally important to what we could call kind of a global consciousness that matters really, really intensively. Now, pragmatically, when we look at a felt sense of the body, the reason why that creates receptivity and openness is that every time we experience difficulty, all of our spiritual conditioning, what we've learned as a behavior, a response to difficulty, is not to tune in, is not to settle in and be vulnerable. What we've learned is to put up a defense mechanism and tune out. We've learned to tune out in the moment. So here we are and something's difficult. You know, we learn to put on you know, our strong face and go out into the world and just toughen up. And, and, and there's a feeling that's underneath that. And I'll be encouraging you as we move into the practice to tap into that kind of achy vulnerability underneath the strong exterior. I don't know what you'll feel, but I know that it's your unique experience to feel that, and that is the yoga journey. That is the practice. One day, when you're practiced enough and strong enough, you'll take that lesson off of your mat into everyday moments of your life, and that's the magical time when your life transforms. Because then, those very, the very thing that you were once afraid of sharing, the vulnerability, the achiness, the wounded place, those places of shame inside of ourselves, the thing we think we can never speak out loud to another person, the day that you're strong enough to speak that out is the day that you're finally strong enough to be vulnerable and intimate. And what comes with vulnerability and intimacy? Can you guess? What do you think? Maybe something like love, right? So we can't really experience true love true intimacy with another being unless we're fully in love with ourselves. And, and you know, so this is you know, why we're practicing. It starts with us, but it doesn't end with us, right? So now to begin our practice, we'll start with, again, a short meditation. So now we've understood how a sense of embodied presence can bring you into an experience of mindfulness. Now we'll take a few moments to just really bring the mind into the center of the heart. And I'd like you to think about three things as we bring our awareness into the body. I'd like you to think about the physical body, the space of the physical body, and holding the space of the physical body without any judgment. If there's pain, let there be pain. If there's pleasure, let there be pleasure. Don't hold on. If there's discomfort, sometimes pain is too intense of a word, you know? Um, so we may feel discomfort, just an annoying feeling, like you're hotter than you want to be or colder than you want to be, discomfort. So when that's there, you, you experience it. Then I'm going to invite you to experience the inner body, the space underneath the skin. Then I'm going to invite you to experience the space around the body. And by in this way, we'll be able to have a divergent focus 
that shuts off the analytical mind, perhaps just long enough so we can be fully embodied and fully present. So if you'll close your eyes again. And bring your attention to the physical body and just notice what you feel. Perhaps you feel your breath coming in and out. Perhaps you feel the movement of the breath in the chest, in the throat, in the nose. Perhaps you're aware of the sensation on the skin, the contact of your flesh as it makes a gentle contact with the floor, the feeling of air, perspiration, tickly or pringly sensations throughout the body. Be aware of the volume of the body, the physical, material space. And be sure that you include all the parts of the body from the head, shoulders and hands, the torso, the hips and the legs. Being very aware of the material sensation of the body, gently invite the mind into the inner body, the space underneath the skin. Perhaps you can feel a subtle vibration, a hint or almost an invitation of depth as you move inside the skin, under the skin, not only into the material structure of the inner body, not only the bones, the muscles, the fluids, but the vibration of the inner body, the space in the inner body between the cells, between the molecules, at the subatomic level, the space in the inner body, throughout the legs, the torso, the arms, and the head. And get a sense of the realm deep within Then bring your mind's point of attention into the space around the body, a few inches, even a foot around the body. And notice the divergent focus as you feel the space in, around the body towards the front, just letting the consciousness explore a non-local point the space on the sides of the body and at the top, above, at the bottom, below, and the back of the body. Let this awareness keep the mind centered 
and then allow yourself to be aware of these three realms of experience at once the physical body the inner body of infinite depth and the space around the body which seems to have no end infinitely outward while simultaneously infinitely inward Then choose the point of the heart to focus in on, maintaining those three realms of experience, the physical heart, the sternum, the organ of the heart, the inner space of the heart in its infinite depth and invitation to sanctuary within, and the space around the heart, infinitely outward, and infinitely connected to all beings. gently bring your hands together. Gently open the eyes. Let your hands come on down. Good. And without even really set the mind up for a true depth in the physical aspect of the yoga practice. We'll revisit that meditation at the end. So keep a little bit of memory of how you feel right now, and then we'll make a little comparison. We've kind of had three starting points. The first point where we did a mindfulness check-in, this point after the talk and a little bit of more guidance, and then we'll have a third point to check in, which is always important to have little benchmarks so you can kind of recognize, I started off here, I've shifted to here, and I've shifted to here. Some days it may be better, other days you may be shifting downwards. <laughs> All is fine, okay? 